I got a message for your American buddy. I'm your wife, damn it! Ah, would have to go up to the wives in the library or the supermarket and say hello. I am new here. I know, George, you think I don't know anything, but I know people. I get 18 years of my life to stand in the same spot as you. You want your file? I found you your file. You want it out? I got you out. You needed money? I found you some. Now, let's face it here. I've got to, you know, latch on to something in my life. Oh, yeah, you blind. No use to try to sweet talk me, Miss Scarlet. I know you ever since I put the first pair of diapers on you. Who was going to love me? Who, who was going to make me feel good? I wish I had a mother like me instead of nice. Nice gets you shit. I got a two-inch thick solo in steak. Sit and defrost and wait this minute. When you and Guy come over and supper with us tonight, what do you say? Hello and welcome to another episode of The Best Supporting Podcast, a podcast dedicated to celebrating and dissecting the performances of our favorite Best Supporting Actresses. My name is Nick Kachanov, and Sissy Spacek smoking a cigarette on a couch is a mood. Amen. And I'm Colin Drucker, and Celia Weston talking through tears (laughs) is a lifetime achievement. (laughs) My favorite moment in the movie. It really Um, is. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the moment. I mean, obviously, there's some other memorable moments in In the Bedroom, but for some reason, over the past 19 years, that's what stuck with me is when she has that moment of like, oh my God, I wasn't thinking. I'm so sorry. And it's so good. It's so good. I can't wait to get to that because that is a highlight for sure. Mm -hmm. She, Celia Weston, would easily win a Weston for like, featured ensemble player oh yeah i mean i think that's part of the western rules is she has to win something <laughs> each year you know yeah even if we, we have, have to create honest... her own category right. yeah <laughs> yeah the one rule is that celia weston has to win something yes oh um, yeah god i can't wait till we watch palms oh gosh someone i think that was on the lady watch awards they were also nominating oh yeah too which and they talked mm-hmm. about and i would have not known that had you not told me about it either too so that I mean, needs to nuts. be an episode, yeah. We Ugh. could do the BSAs of Palms because it's <gasps> Diane Keaton, Celia Weston, it's Jockey Weaver, <laughs> yeah. Rhea Perlman might be in it. Ugh. I mean, stacked. Uh, I love that a lot. I think that would be great. Uh, but how yeah. are you How are you? Uh, just checking in? You know, that's the thing to do. That's the woke thing to do is check in, guys. Check yeah. in. Yeah, check in because that's, uh, that's what we're doing these days. I uh, We were talking about this right before we hopped on the mic, but I had been – if people who listen to our Whoopi episode, I was sick, and so we missed a week. And now I'm sick again, <sighs> and I've just decided without an alarmist tone, I have – I have the coronavirus. I have COVID-19. Um, and I'm feeling very trendy. So, you know, watch your back. I'm expecting a video on Twitter within the hour, Colin. Oh, you, you yeah. You can't have coronavirus without telling people in a very, right. you know, you're the only one in the room. It's very dramatic. Oh, my God. And I have to do it. It has to be a Twitter post where the first line is, so I tested positive for the coronavirus. Space. Next line. There has to be that dramatic space. Oh, my God. Oh. Okay, and then there's a thread. And I appreciate that people are sharing their experiences and whatever on Twitter, but you're right. It is so much more than just sharing information. Yeah, my friend Aaron uh, posted this on something on our Instagram this morning that was like, um, it's like, do your best to not make this about you or try your best to not make Seriously. this about you. And I was like, yes. And like I, on the very flip side of that, just to play devil's advocate for a moment, I, I do understand and kind of appreciate people because the Tom Hanks thing was like, that's when things really started to get real. And like their sort mm-hmm. of updates. It's nice to just check in. 
with people who are being responsible about it. And but I don't necessarily need to know. But I do sort of gasp every time a celebrity gets it. Except when Andy yeah. Cohen got it, I was like, okay, fine. He's, like, <laughs> He's yeah, gonna be fine though. I mean, Although yeah, he has he'll a baby, be fine. which is troublesome yeah um you know harvey weinstein got it like it's just uh you know where's his twitter video yeah at uh, that point i was like who cares exactly exactly and it's like again like i i hear you and i i am probably being grouchy about it because i am sick but it's like uh what you said is exactly true it's like don't make this about you just because you have it doesn't mean it's the it's the 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 Karen virus, you know? <laughs> yes, I know. Yeah, exactly. And I will say one last thing, and I said it on Squirrel Friends when we recorded yesterday. It's just like, everyone needs to stop singing. No more songs. I can only oh. imagine you, I mean, oh. just because I could not watch the Imagine video. I, I, I oh, can't even really think about it. But I understand so the bad. good behind it. I, res I respect it. I'm, I'm energized by that. And I'm hoping that, like, money is being sent to the right places because of it. I just don't like the act I'm singing. Oh, oh! I, I don't mean, know. It's too much. It's that video is so bad, and really the 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 worst supporting actress of that is Natalie Portman. No. Oh yeah, no. it's 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 almost worth watching. Actually, I saw someone who like then did like an impression of it on Twitter. I like put a little video up, and I was like, the nuance, the fact that you realize this that this yes. does stand out as one of the worst. Those are our people. Yeah. yeah, it was great. Um. But yeah, I agree. The Imagine video to me was, it was one of many things where I was like, Ugh, for so many reasons, it is best to just self-isolate. Like, I just, I can't with the world, you know? Yeah. Um, limit your uh, social media intake, I guess. That's just me talking into the void, not to you. <laughs> I'm like, oh, no, but, but I, get us together. <laughs> that, is, uh, that is exactly what I need to hear. I need to stop flipping between... Twitter and Reddit and Facebook, especially Facebook. It's yeah, like, Facebook's oh, no good. God. Um, anyway, it's so yeah. It's it's um, it's strange times, it's as ongoing. everyone is saying. Yeah, ongoing. When I I I and think you guys were talking about this on Squirrel Friends, but like we are a week in, two weeks in. We yeah. are so early on. Everyone's acting like, well, this is the way it is. It's like you have barely gotten through the first layer. Yeah, even like Thursday of last week, people were. I was like, guys, it's four days in. But I, yeah. there's so many different circuits. I keep playing devil's advocate because I'm just, you know, I, I know that there's so many people that are actually really, really affected by this that have lost jobs that are, do not know when they're going back to work. And those are the people that probably aren't posting, I would hope, like as far as like, because mm. they're just trying to deal with their life and get their life back on track. It's the people that like are okay. Like, I'm not worried about Jennifer Garner, even though I do love her a lot, you know, sure. or Reese Witherspoon, you know, we're all going to mm -hmm. be okay. I don't need to see Ellen yeah. DeGeneres make a phone call every day. It's uh, no, it's fine. Especially, have you, are you caught up on that Twitter? Uh, the the um, I did the see Twitter that. thread yes. about Ellen. Yes, life changing. It's I, entertaining. I, I can't go back. I can't. Yeah, go back. I don't think I can either. No. Um. So for folks who don't know, there was someone who had started a Twitter feed, or you know, a, had a post that was basically said like, um, or thread. Maybe that's what it is. Sure. Uh, of um he would donate $2 for every story that someone said, you know, shared of, of Ellen DeGeneres being like a monster because that's what all the rumors were is that she's a nightmare to work with. And people came out with stories. It's good. And people who it's like, if they were to lie and make this up, they're somewhat of a public figure or they have somewhat of a career that like, they, I don't think it's just some troll who's just like trying to, you know, yeah, be a exactly. part of it all. Um, 
and so it's like and i believe it like i believe what a lot of these people are saying and um it's yeah. it's eye-opening i'm looking up um the 50 shades of gray girl oh dakota yeah, uh, johnson dakota johnson that was a great episode i that i i yeah. actually really love that i'm like get her jade you know what yeah I mean? it's totally right. get her jade energy <laughs> it is yeah oh because she didn't she was just like i saw that clip where she's like no, I did invite you. You can ask anyone. You can ask your producer. And then she like flags the producer. I was like, uh, this is television. Mm, I, and she this... was so cool and calm. Yes. Um, Dakota. She was like, mm-hmm. no, no. Yeah. And I just love it... watching Ellen sweat. I don't oh, know why. Same. I know, especially with this with this recent news. I'm like, yeah, I hope everyone's looking you right in the eye and breathing on you. <laughs> Drag her. Drag her. Like, back to kind media. Anyways. <laughs> I know. I know. Well, you know, it's like we are in these just these insane times where it's like, yes, the col- quarantine brain. Open the Coliseum. You yes. know, it's, I, I think what it is like, I, I certainly feel this way about I feel like, oh, God, these stories about Ellen are bothersome. But I think there is some displaced anger because a like I'm sick and I'm like fucking tired of being sick. I've been sick yeah. for weeks now and I'm over it. So there's a there's that B. It's like reading the news and i'm not going to get into it all but everyone knows it's like the the politicizing of all of this and the and the awful leadership that we've had um nationally about this um that's just like so frustrating like i just need to put this somewhere but i can't even leave the house yeah, and so true. like i'm just taking it out on ellen degeneres so podcasting yeah it's like yeah. uh i mean we talked about it on score friends too i keep saying score friends sorry um Julie Klausner, uh, that like the first fifteen mm-hmm. minutes of her newest episode is like gold. It's like uh, she's ringing it out as far as like all of her frustrations that are equally like my and the world, or at least who's on yeah. the right side of things, um, mm-hmm. and how we're feeling. So yeah, yeah, I, and I love that. It was I, I love that she was at a point of like I am so angry I have to stop talking about this. Yeah. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. That's real. Yeah, that's real. Um, but you know, I think this this mood of simmering anger and yeah. grief and confusion is kind of a perfect, um, like it or not, space to be talking about the movie in the bedroom today. Yes. Um, so uh, the the deal with this episode, obviously, this year at the Oscars, Jennifer Connelly had actually won for A Beautiful Mind. Yeah. Um, I'm just not that intrigued by that performance or conversely, I'm very intrigued by in the bedroom. And so it was like, well, our show, our rules, how do we focus on one of the nominees today versus the winner? Um, Because a, it it is, it's a really nuanced performance. And and we've talked about Marissa Tomei before. Like I, I, uh, I love her. Uh, And B it's an opportunity to talk about Sissy Spacek. And finally, it's an opportunity to talk about Celia Weston. Amen. And like, um, a very complicated sort of attraction to Colm Wilkinson in this movie. There oh, Tom Wilkinson? Some, yeah. Oh, Colm. Colm Wilkinson. Oh, my God. All the Broadway people out there are dying right now. I thought oh, it was is that Colm, someone else? I think Colm Wilkinson, I have to look this up, um, is one of the original Jean Valjeans, because that's where my brain goes in lateness. Oh, yeah. So I'm not um, ashamed of that, but I'm just laughing at myself. Uh, and you weren't terribly off. Yeah, Colm Wilkinson. Yeah, so Tom. Tom, Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> but I agree. There is something about Tom Wilkinson in yes. this movie that it's like, yeah, yeah, I know. He's there's something I, I like watching this movie again. I hadn't seen it in a while, and to me, it's such a it's like a very unique movie experience because I feel like the way that it plays out 
it has very few like high notes like very few like there's obviously the plate smashing scene and there's like a, there's like the the you know um the murder and all that's so, like there's there's some moments that kind of shock you mm-hmm. but it moves at its own kind of pace and all of all of everything that's happening is happening in all of these like really subtle reactions and, and interactions and it's the kind of movie that i feel like when i watch it when it's over i'm like oh well that was a lot and then the next day i'm just haunted by it sure. like i just can't stop thinking about it and that's kind of what drew me to want to talk about it was because the movie i mean i'm certainly keen to hear your thoughts but i feel like it it lacks a certain amount of payoff that I think we want, but that's the point. And so because you don't really get that release, even though there is like a sort of release at the end, I feel like the movie just stays with you because it. the point of it is like, that didn't help. Like killing Richard didn't help. Yeah. It's sort of like this, uh, I don't know what you would call that in filmmaking too. It's just... Um, it reminded me in a way of uh, the last last motion motion picture. Is that what it is? Oh my god! Yes, the yes. last picture show. Last picture I thought the show. Same Sorry. Thing. Yes. Yeah. 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 In a lot of ways, of right? Emptiness. Only it's like emptiness in like a New England town. So, but it's so it still feels like everyone's around and watching and kind of knowing what's going on, and mm-hmm. uh, in ways it was like this sort of. Broadchurch meets sort of um it's like if Broadchurch only it never left the house of the Latimers mm. you know what I mean if it was just oh, only yeah. in there which is still like because that I mean I I totally like understand why it's it's is another grief movie for sure which is like your bread and butter too so uh, I, I as soon as yeah. as soon as I knew what was a I mean I and the cool thing uh I'm like the cool thing is I'm so cool yeah. um the cool <laughs> thing about this is that I didn't look up um anything i didn't even watch the trailer oh good i did not know oh, good. anything about what i was getting myself into and i expected an entirely different movie i mm-hmm. was picturing some sort of like period drama um really with, yeah i don't know why um and i was surprised to, to learn it was like 2001 when this came out mm-hmm. um oh wow that's yeah. I'm, I'm glad that you didn't know what was going to happen because i yeah. feel like that's a part of this as well mm-hmm. is like there there's this tension in the first part of the movie of like what's what's gonna happen and like knowing what's gonna happen and then watching it again like the scene when like frank gets to natalie's house and like knowing what's gonna happen is so tense and so uncomfortable because you're like oh god everything is about to like these people's lives everyone in this movie everyone's lives are about to be ruined here we go like it's just so dark yeah, and just the the mounting tension of the fact that like it's almost like not necessarily a red herring, but it is like it definitely adds to the um the confu- or like the the confrontation or whatever you want to call it, the drama of like Sissy Spacek doesn't really approve of her son dating Marissa Tomei. There's all these like outside circumstances within the town too that are kind of adding up to this, and um that just add to. I mean, I guess we can just kind of go along with a little bit of, of the plot here and a spoiler alert um i don't know if we should give a yeah. spoiler alerts yeah i mean i think we're gonna have to because yeah. you know talking about some of the moments i think you know so if, if you haven't seen it you probably you've actually already gotten a spoiler because i said about richard um but uh that being said i assume people would listen to this knowing that it would be spoiled so what happens is and it's funny you mentioned the last picture show because i thought the same thing because i think that Marissa Tomei's character Natalie is reminiscent of Clarice Leachman's character. Yeah, she's this like 
this sad woman trapped in a marriage with her husband and now she's dating this younger guy and she, you know, it's, yeah. yeah. And, and I feel like that, it was so interesting to kind of think of those two women side by side and Ooh, like, I love that. and wanting Natalie, Marissa Tomei's character to have the throwing the coffee pot scene, you know, yeah. like Sissy Spacek char- character, Ruth, like she gets the slap, but like, I was so like, oh, I just, I want, I wanted that same kind of resolution for Natalie, but it just wasn't her story. So, um, but what the, the story being that Marissa Tomei's character, Natalie is, uh, she's probably in her early thirties or something, but she's dating, um, Nick Stahl's character, Frank, who's like, you know, probably early twenties or right out of high school or something like that. And, um, his parents are played by Tom Wilkinson, not to be confused with Calm Wilkinson <laughs> and Sissy Spacek. And at first it's all just kind of, there's, there's just this tension around him dating this older woman. And then she's got this husband, uh, Richard, who keeps coming around and this almost soon to be ex-husband who's been coming around. Um, and like is clearly not happy with Frank being in their lives. And, um, there's some escalation of violence that happens. And then eventually, um, Richard comes to like he comes to the house and he like trashes the house and then you know Natalie's house and then Frank comes over and Richard comes back and kills Frank and and then from there I mean it's part of it is about the fact that like because of the the details of what happened um and just like the the sort of messiness of the of the you know judicial system so to speak frank or richard is essentially um let out on bail to just kind of be a free man until like the criminal case in like a year or a year and a half and so uh matt and ruth um can't wait that long for justice and so that kind of propels the decision to take matters into uh their own hands or really matt take matters to his own hands um to uh kill richard kill richard the, the woods yeah yeah, yeah. Um, um yeah a lot so, of tension yeah go a lot of tension i'm curious like if this being the first time you saw it like what's your what's your overall takeaway of this movie i really liked it i think like a solid like b i wasn't like over the moon but i think the reason why is partially like for the reasons you just talked about like marissa Tor- torme <laughs> marissa torme <laughs> marissa tomes character it's it's like more it's meatier than jessica lang and tootsie but it's not quite um melissa leo and the fighter you know what i mean Mm, it's like mm -hmm. i think like i think with it we're always looking for the scene right we're always looking for the moment and i think she has the courtroom moment which is great and i what i really enjoyed about marissa tomei i think is the she's so natural with those kids there's something about her being a mom with such ease and like care and like nuance that she has each time she's around them. Because I feel like a lot of that stuff was just improvised. Like the kid would say something and she's like, Oh yeah. And she would Mm -hmm. always like kind of laugh a little bit through her line. I don't know. There was something really effortless about the way that she, I guess, navigated that too. But within that, there is this sort of like, uh, of course, this fear, this sort of sadness, this sort of like, what's what's her story? And I feel mm. we got most of it. But then after the murder happened, or yeah, after um, Frank gets killed, it's like she kind of goes away for a bit. And I just wish she had one or two more scenes. We get the slap. We get the, the um, you know, Tom coming to, not Tom, excuse me, Matt coming to the store, which is a really great scene. Mm-hmm. Um but also, like you said, that's just also what it is, too. Because the, you were not, 
I don't want to say it's not about her, but it's not. I think it's more about the parents, which is yeah. Um, and she just happens to be a part of their lives now, but they don't really want her in their lives, which is, makes sense that the movie would not keep touching base with her as much. So overall, though, like I love anything that's placed like uh, in New England, like that mm-hmm. takes place. Excuse me, like. Uh, there's something about it that is just everything that Sissy Spacek wore, like Sissy yeah. Spacek's, Spacek's house, excuse me, that was just like this beautiful, big, sort of like wooden, rustic New England house. I really wanted to live there. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But it's, it was um, all in all, too. It's like, I think I would like to watch it again eventually, but I was also, I like hit that line of like, starting to look at my phone a little bit at some mm-hmm. points. And I was like, no, put this down. But as soon as I would kind of pick up my phone, something would start to happen. There's a very mm-hmm. sort of like well-timed um, pace of like drama and then just like, you know, watching something random, you know, on the street. Yeah. It's, I mean, it is a slow movie. It's and that was something. Burn, as the kids it, say, yeah. It's very much so. And I definitely felt that as well. And like, there were moments where like, yeah, I could have even picked up my phone and yeah. it was like kind of realizing and even with her performance, there's a couple little choices she has that I really love is that everything is in the smallest of gestures and in like the smallest of pauses yes. or just like all of these things that like it, it's just so small and deliberate. And like it be, I think because the pace is so slow, you know, you get these long shots of like, I mean, I even think of the scene where Ruth goes to Frank's grave and the the time that it takes before she then the the priest connects with her and that scene starts yeah the fact that we spend so much time just like watching her sit by the grave get up walk back towards the car we see the priest's point of view out the window like there's so much time spent in what it feels like to be in this day you know or or in this experience and um and it's frustrating sometimes you know like i to you know use that scene as an example when ruth is talking to the priest you want there, I mean, she has that great line about like, I'm just so angry and I just don't know what to do. And it's very, you know, Sally Field is yeah. Magnolia. I hit you know? something, I want to hit it hard. I wanna, I wanna, yeah, exactly. And, and what I love about that scene is that instead of giving us that monologue that we want, we then get this completely useless story from the priest. Yeah. All, her, her biggest takeaway is like, and how, did, how did that woman's child die? Oh, it was an accident. Oh, and like just the way that she says, oh, and kind of like is just sitting there with a cigarette. It told me so much about Ruth. Yes. That she was sitting there thinking, well, it's not really the same because my kid got killed by somebody. So thanks, but like I'm in a different line. And and the economy of that in one little line reading. Yeah. Sissy Spacek is so good in this movie. I Mm. I honestly think she was like my takeaway because I don't know a lot of Sissy. I know Carrie. Mm. I'm not seeing the coal miner's daughter, mm-hmm. um, which is what she won her Oscar for. Um, beyond that, uh, the help, which is sad. Yeah. So yeah. I need to brush up on my sissy. So um, I feel the same way. I think yeah. I only have a few things in the in the space catalog. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. She was phenomenal. In this. She won the Golden Globe for Best Actress for this. And of course, was nominated for Best Actress, but this was the year that Halle oh, Berry yeah. won for Monsters Ball. So, you know, which I have not seen, but I um, I'm not gonna take it away from her. You know, sure, like, yeah, we're glad. Yeah, that that was the one to win. Uh, but Sissy Spacek gives such a like, I mean, 
I'm glad you didn't watch any trailers or anything before seeing the movie because the scene where she smashes the plate and says everything, like it's the moment, but it's in the trailer. So it yeah. kind of ruins it for you, you know? Yes. But that is, I mean, it's, there There have been times I've watched that scene and I thought it was a little too like well-timed smashing. Like you could see Sissy waiting to smash the plate. But the more that I've watched it, the more I realize that it's more organic and and what I love about it is the force with which she smashes that plate. It's, it, she's, it is significant. And the <laughs> yeah. way that she says everything, like it's all built up and she lets it all out in just that, those two, the repetition of everything. It's, it's everything. It is. <laughs> everything is everything. Just like Lauren Hill said. Just, just like she said. Yeah. She was right. So in terms of her fellow nominees this year, um, as we like to do, especially with movies later in, in you know, uh, or, or more recent, we can kind of look at Critics' Choice Awards, Screen Actors Guild, Golden Globes, Academy Awards. Oh, and BAFTAs. Don't forget the BAFTAs. Don't forget the BAFTAs. So the Screen Actors Guild Awards, uh, Helen Mirren won for Gosford Park, and uh, Marissa Tomei was not even nominated for a, a Screen Actors Guild Award, but uh, Kate Blanchett was nominated for Bandits, Judy Band- Dench. That's funny. Have you seen Bandits? I have. It used to be one of you my have? brother's favorite movies, oddly really? enough. Yeah. I think I saw it a million years ago. And it's yeah. fine. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. Um, Judy Dench for The Shipping News. Uh, Dakota Fanning for I Am Sam. And we love a Cameron Diaz getting a nomination situation. <gasps> so she she got nominated for Vanilla Sky. <laughs> Ugh. It's such a, it sparks so much joy in like the best way. I'm like, get him, Cam. You know? Get him, Cam. You know what I love about Cameron Diaz is that she's retired from acting. Her last movie was 2000 whatever's um, Annie. Um, oh yeah, and she's done. She has retired from acting. It's just it's such a what a swan song. Yeah. Um. So Critics Choice Awards that year. So that was the year that uh, Jennifer Connelly won for Beautiful Mind, and Cami Diaz pulled another nomination <gasps> out for Vanilla Sky. Wow. Yeah, and Marissa Tomei. Um, she was also nominated as well. So the BAFTA Awards. Um, the good old BAFTAs. So. Um, Jennifer Connelly won for Beautiful Mind, and Judy Dench was nominated for The Shipping News. Kate Winslet was nominated for Iris, and both Helen Mirren and Maggie Smith were nominated for Gosford Park. Yeah. Uh, Golden Globes, uh, where are we at? So the Golden Globes, once again, Jennifer Connelly wins for Beautiful Mind. Once again, Cami Diaz pulls out that nomination oh, for Vanilla Sky. Yes. I know. The cherry and then on some top from- of that Vanilla Sky Sunday. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And then familiar names, Helen Mirren, Maggie Smith, Kate Winslet. So that brings us to the Academy Awards. Once again, we are uh, very proud of Jen- Jennifer Connelly, who almost swept everything. But we are focusing on Marissa Tomei, yeah. uh, who was nominated for In the Bedroom, alongside Kate Winslet and Iris, and Helen Mirren and Maggie Smith in Gosford Park. Yeah. So that's a lot of ladies and a lot of names. It um, is. Curi- curious if you have any thoughts or feelings that you want to share on any of them. Um, I do. I'd like to give just a little spotlight to Jennifer Conley. I just feel like she, um, it was a, it was a good performance. It was a respectable performance. I watched a couple clips this morning too, of her, and she's giving some nuance. She is. That's like I think that, to kind of my side of that too is like I don't think Jennifer Conley. I don't think if we were just covering her on a regular episode, she would not really be in my top like 25 people, I think. Mm-hmm. I think that we it would be a while for us to get to her, which like you said, it's a good sign that we should still acknowledge a great performance, but also like see what else is on the other side of the fence too. But um, 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, I it's like I'm not taking. I mean, I've seen her in. I mean, obviously she she is really strong in Requiem for a Dream. Oh yeah. Uh, I highly recommend House of Sand and Fog. Okay, that's a great. There's a great, great best supporting actress performance in there. Um, I think she was even nominated. It's uh, oh god, that movie is dark. <laughs> okay. uh, she was in Little Children. She was oh. in Reservation Road. So she had, I feel like in the early 2000s, she had like a number of like premier, like our prestige, you know, sure. uh, movies. And uh, in 2020, apparently she's going to be in Top Gun Maverick playing right. Penny Benjamin. Playing so, Demi Moore. I'm just playing <laughs> Demi Moore's sister. Um, exactly. Jennifer Moore. So, uh, yeah, uh, there you go. And I guess, oh, apparently she's going to be in the, um, the TV version of the movie Snowpiercer. Oh, yeah, uh, that's weird. I'm just, they're making it into TV. Yeah, I guess it's, it, maybe it's a mini series, but there's ten planned episodes. All right. Yeah. Cool. So, uh, God, she got so many nominations and awards for A Beautiful Mind. It's crazy. Um, but anyway, uh, one day we'll 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 give maybe we'll talk about House of Sand and Fog sometime. Yeah. But um, I uh. Normally, this is where we would play Jennifer Connelly's acceptance speech, but because we're not talking about her today, uh, why don't we just play a little clip of Marissa Tomei uh, doing some acting? Yes. Excuse me. Can I help you with anything here? Oh, yes. Uh, You can hand me that bowl, dear. Great. Uh, This one? Yes. Thank you. Um... Looking forward to that concert on Labor Day. Yeah. Music's so unusual. It's haunting, really. It is, isn't it? How did you learn about that? Uh, Ed stuff. Brown. Mm-hmm. I did my thesis on Eastern European folk music. Oh, I thought about becoming a teacher. Oh, why didn't you? Well, um, I... Uh, yeah, what are you eating? Nothing. Is it good? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> bring it, bring it. Okay, I'll swing dunk. I'll be right back. So I love this scene because it's kind of what you were talking about before of the way that Natalie interacts with her kids and the way that Marissa Tomei plays a mom. And it does feel very improvised because the, the the kid, her younger son comes in while she's talking to Ruth. And it's such a like a nuanced, uncomfortable scene. Like, and watching it very closely watching all of the little notes that marissa tomei is playing it's really impressive there's so much like tiny little nuances that she's playing but then her son comes in and she and she puts on like you said that mom voice she's like what are you eating yeah is it good like she does that thing yeah 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 it's i don't know there's something about the way that she the way that that feels so right that like i just I also don't know how you direct that. You know what I mean? Like, how do you get someone to access that without them just knowing how to do it all by themselves? You know? Yeah. It's sort of like that X factor charisma sort of thing. It's like, it's what she naturally brings to it. And I don't know if she was or is a mother. I feel like she is, but I'm not entirely sure too. But um, I feel like it would be easy to access that too, especially if you like the kid in real life too. But yeah. um, yeah. But even just the little things of like Sissy Spacek tells her to bring the bowl over Mm -hmm. from like literally two feet away. She's like, ah, because she asks, what can I do? Which is Mm -hmm. like, it is, it's an awkward situation. It's like, I feel, you know, if we're kind of dissecting the scene, this is, they've probably met before. 
They know mm-hmm. who each other are. She knows that Sissy Spacek doesn't approve. Sissy knows that she knows, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And um, mm-hmm. she just wants to try to pitch in and help out and make some effort. And it's like, she's like, can you grab that bowl over there for me? And she's like, without even moving, she just puts her arm out and gets the bowl and puts it there. And I was like, that is so interesting. That, yeah. she, But it's like, but also in a way it's Sissy trying you know, like at that point, right. she probably didn't really need any help, but she didn't want to say she didn't need any help. But she also mm-hmm. wants her out of the kitchen. And it's so great that the yeah. kid walks in. Yeah. It's all those complicated notes. It's all yeah. those beats of like, it, there's so many reasons why they, neither of them want to be in this kitchen right now. But like, it just, it, you know, it's like it, it needs to happen if they're, if Frank and Natalie are going to stay together. Like she has to connect with Ruth somehow. Yeah. Um, I also, one of my favorite acting choices that she has in this is before she goes into the kitchen, there's that shot we see of her looking, she sees Frank's like childhood picture on the, on the, um, on the bookshelf in the hallway. And she kind of looks at it. And right before she goes in the kitchen, she kind of like taps at it with her finger. Oh yeah. And does this like point tap thing. It's a, it's just this great little choice of like, mm-hmm. yes. Oh, I love that. I love that you did that. Did anyone tell you to do that? Yeah. That's great. Like, it's such a good little moment. Um, but, and it's like seeing Natalie happy, like seeing her with Frank and seeing them kind of like, there's that one part where they're laughing about how her one son was telling Frank that the other one didn't know much about girls. And she starts laughing about that. It's a, especially considering how like depressed she is later in the movie. It's such a joy to see her happy yeah. and like to see that emerge. Um, and it's interesting because I feel like her happiness and her joy is also something that it's kind of this haunting thing throughout the movie because I feel like, there's something that Matt says in the end that he saw that picture of, of Natalie in Richard's house and was like, just the way that she was smiling. I don't know. You know, like there's it. And I, I read the short story because this is based on a short story yes. by, I believe it's Andre Debut. Uh, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, but um, it's based on a short story called killings, mm-hmm. which um, I just, I like had like a short story collection of his and I was like, Oh, I have this. I should wow. read this. And so uh, it's somewhat different from the movie. It's, um, it's pretty much like it starts like in the, the first line is about Frank being dead. So like uh, it doesn't take all that time to set it up in the beginning. Um, but it's, it's mostly about Matt coming to the conclusion that he wants to kill Richard. Um, and, and then throughout that, you know, kind of reflecting on Ruth's feelings about like all of it and how he's really doing it because um, I don't remember. Cause the, the narrative is somewhat different. There isn't this whole thing about like waiting for the criminal case or whatnot. I can't remember the details, but he essentially like, um, gets off scot-free and uh, is just like they keep seeing him around town and you know Ruth sees him and he smiles at her at one point and Oof. that like drives Matt to have to kill him so um, but t- the story also kind of obviously gives us more details about Matt's complicated feelings about Natalie whose name is Marianne in the story um, but the complicated feelings he has about like kind of being jealous of Frank and kind of yes. wanting her and wanting to like be that source of joy for her and wanting to like, you know, make her happy, you know, mostly sexually, I'm sure. Um, that I think, I don't know. It's an interesting lens to watch this movie is like Natalie's happiness is like problematic in this movie. It's, it's a catalyst in a way. Yeah. Ooh, that's really interesting. Cause there's that like scene where she's like bending over to pick something up. And like one of the, the dads is like, I'd give my right arm to have a piece of that ass or something. And yeah. Something like that. And you can see on Matt's face too. It's like, he, 
if he wasn't i would i would be interested to see what his response would be if it wasn't his son's girlfriend you know would he have chimed in or but you can already tell he's kind of agreeing but he doesn't show that at the same time it's um i really liked tom's performance in this i i I just think there's a lot and he was nominated for lead actor which was awesome Mm -hmm. i was i was glad Mm -hmm. to see him on that list too uh this it was the year that denzel won and i thought Russell Crowe won an Oscar for A Beautiful Mind, but Russell Crowe won for Gladiator, I think. Oh. Which is weird yeah. because I thought it was flip-flopped. Because I was mm-hmm. like, wait, does Russell Crowe have two? Because I just checked that when we were um, when we were talking before. Anyway. Hmm. Oh, um, yeah, I didn't know that. Uh, yeah, I, yeah. There's, there's that too. There's that thing of like she's also... Um, that thing, Yeah, like she's the... the I feel like she has a reputation even, you know, coming into this movie is like people know about her and like, like she works at the convenience store downtown. Like it's a small town. So I feel like there's also that element of like Natalie being Charlene from uh, the fighter. She's Charlene. She's Charlene. She's Charlene. (laughs) But she is in a way, Um, you know, she kind of, she is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Well, totally. She would fit into that world of just like, you know, here's, here's a rough around the edges you know, uh, has seen some shit, has a reputation. Um, some of it's probably not true. Some of it is, you know? Yeah. Uh, and I feel like, and we see this so much more really in the second half of the movie or, or where she appears, but like, this is also someone who has seen a lot of shit before all this started. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like the scene that she has with Richard when he first comes to the house. Oh, I hate that. It, uh, and he's got the sandwich. And the mi- mm-hmm. Yeah. That is... Like, she is she is playing so many like I keep saying it's like small notes, but it's just true. Like so many nuances of like an abused person. Um, my one of my other favorite acting choices of hers is when he says something about like thinking he's gonna move back in, and she does this thing where her hand kind of like turns in and she starts like pulling on her shirt. It's this mm. tiny choice, but it is so smart, and it's so like somebody who's kind of like getting uncomfortable and like you know fidgeting a little some sort of armor even just that little like makes her feel a little bit more safe i like that yeah Yeah. and then yet it looks pathetic at the same time and it's things like that where like i understand why this is a nominated performance Mm -hmm. because like i want obviously bigger notes and bigger moments and i want when she tells him like no this is not your house like i want her to fight back more but the fact that she can only raise her voice a certain amount is more accurate. Yes. And like more true to the character. Yeah. Cause she, I'm assuming the kids are home too. You know what I mean? So there is a lot of mm-hmm. like restraint, but also trying to be forceful at the same time. Like I need you to go because she does at one point sort of stifle like the F word. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. She mm-hmm. sort of, she lowers her volume. So the kids are definitely there too. But, um, Ooh, it just made me like, what's gonna happen? Because he's sort of creepy in his own right, that actor. And mm-hmm. he is so calm and collected because he's in control of the situation. Yeah. Like, he knows exactly what he wants to do or what he isn't gonna do when he's there. Um, ugh, it's scary. It's scary. Yeah. It's a scary scene, I feel. It is. Yeah. And, the, and the way that she plays, like, I think one of the other things I love in this scene is she's kind of like, she's clearly starting to, like, say things to him that she's practiced or has heard before or someone has told her before and at one point she she stumbles when she says something about being a a positive a, a positive influence yes, like she stumbles yes, yes. on the word positive yeah 
it, loved it, like, that. I love that. Love that. I was like, this is, I don't even know if this is like Marissa Tomei or Natalie. Who did this? Like, yes. <laughs> who did this? It's, it, I mean, it's just such a smart way to express like all of that, that this is rehearsed, that she's afraid to say it, that she can't really back it up or he doesn't really take her seriously. It's, oh, that scene. It's that a positive, scene. consistent presence. You know what yes. I mean? And then he's like, yes. Oh, did your, did your college boyfriend tell you that? And he doesn't say that, but he's like, oh, you mm -hmm. think you're smart now or something. But I loved the stutter. That probably Ugh. would be my moment she wanted, to be honest. I think that's like just that yeah. choice alone. Because it mm -hmm. doesn't sound like she's scared. She's just sounding like she's fumbling over the words because she wants to get it right. And she wants mm -hmm. to sound, uh, I wouldn't even say smart, but she wants to... I don't know. Use her words because that's all she has in that moment. That's mm -hmm. her only weapon, really. So Yeah, and uh, I think he's just someone who it's just so hard to like maintain an argument with because he's just obviously such a, a psychopath yeah. that there's just no... He just keeps twisting reality and twisting reality. And I... Like, it's completely accurate that she would crumble under that. Like, <clears throat> it, it would be, you know, Hollywood magic for her to, like, really stand up to him in that moment. Yeah. And so... Um, I I agree. I think that that's one of the moments. I think both the little, it's so weird, but that little like thing that she does, sure. turning her her hand in, and then the the stuttering. Another moment where I think she wins it for me is when Richard comes to the house to with the gun, and when he gets inside, and she's upstairs with her kids, and she's like, "Stay there, just stay there." And then she's going to go downstairs, and she hears the gunshot, and the acting choice to just scream and keep moving, yeah. like she. It's so jarring the way she reacts to it. And so like, like it's so surprising. I guess it, I th I would think the predictable response would she would scream and, or she would pause. But she like, there's something about the fact that she just keeps moving into it that I just, I don't know. That just like, it, it was, oh God, it was just like such a great choice. I loved it. Yeah, because she, she still has to find the source of that gun to get, because she's still probably in mom mode, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. I could see like a mother forging ahead, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But any other mm -hmm. person would probably just like duck and cover or run up the stairs or something like that too. But she also wants to, she has so many people to look out for. Well, not really. Mm. It's like her two kids and, and then Frank, but, um, or not Frank, Frank. Yes. Yeah. Um, and then she sees him too. And that just like her face <sighs> and the reaction there, I will say this is a side note. If I can find this, I will send it to you. Speaking of Jennifer Garner, um, <laughs> There in the pilot of Alias, which Keon forced me to watch because it's one of his favorite shows. It was good. I can see how it could be amazing. But there is this scene where Jennifer Garner, she's dating Bradley Cooper, who was in television okay. way back in the day. And they basically he finds out that she's like a double agent. And he's like, I won't tell anyone. But the people that are like behind the operation kill Bradley Cooper and like throw him in the bathtub or something as she comes home and the reaction that she has is amazing it's probably one of the best like my partner is dead sort of weeping moments too mm. so i'll send that to you okay all <laughs> right thank you I mean, listen you you are spot on i love grief i yes. and actually i thought that watching this movie i realized Oh, God. Of course, this is, like, so on the nose. This is everything I love. This is just grief, 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 yeah. grief, grief. Um, but I do. I love grief. I, I think it's fascinating because it it's, like, 52 pickup. All of the rules of life just kind of, you know, spill to the floor. Nothing makes sense in grief. Craziness does make sense. Like, yeah. you do weird shit 
I, there's something about it. I love pe- watching people navigate grief. And, yes. um, and so, yeah, certainly this movie by, by act two, uh, is very much about watching Matt and Ruth in grief. Um, I mean, I love when I love the choice to have like when Matt goes to tell Ruth about what happened and the choral music is like the, Ooh, is the yeah. audio just and we just see, yeah. And, and we see that shot of her conducting and him in the background, like about to come into the auditorium. And again, it's that feeling of like, Oh my God, Ruth, like she doesn't know. You don't know in this moment. You don't know. And it's, Oh my God. It's so haunting even more so than if we saw him tell her. You know? Yeah, I loved that choice. Although I will say Sissy Spacex conducting is unforgivable. It is, is terrible. It? <laughs> I I was, uh, I had to like wow. put my head under the covers. It was so bad. Really? I was like, it, it's really bad. It's really bad. I would I, know technically. I know, yeah. but there's just something. She's not like, if you just like close your eyes and like clap on the beat. And then watch her conduct, and it's just like, huh, huh. And I hate mm-hmm. to be that music nerd, but this is—it's bad. I can handle some conducting that, you know. Okay, you're an actor; you've never done this before. Fine, but there is no—it's a coordination thing too, and it really, mm-hmm. really bugged me. <laughs> I mean, come <laughs> on, sissy. Say it. Just had to say it. Yeah, it's fair. That's fair. You know, um, I. Uh, I wouldn't even realize that. But that's good <laughs> that's to know. Okay. Uh, but I did love that. Yeah. Yeah, I love that music though. I love it was cool. Oh, it was so good and haunting. Yes, so haunting. I thought the soundtrack, like the the number, like the 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 song at the beginning, that kind of like it has this almost like mechanical like sound to it. Like has this sort of like it sounds like a like a factory worker, you know, working. Like it just sounds like all of the the machines are creating a rhythm. Yeah, I I think it's one of my favorite movie soundtracks. I Mm -hmm. just. Uh, or score or whatever the yeah, case score, may be. Yeah. Um, I just, I think the music, uh, there's something also about like a very small movie having a, not a big score, but having like a meaningful yeah. score, having big choral music always makes things feel bigger, you know? Yeah, it does. And yeah. it's sung by a bunch of what I think, it seemed to be all girls that was in that mm-hmm. choir. I don't know if there were any men or little. I think it was all, yeah, I think it was all ladies. Yeah. Um, so, uh, it, I mean, it's funny. I, I feel like once oh, it's funny, but like once uh, Frank is killed, um, I think we really only get th- three more scenes with uh, Natalie. Yes. I think we get the courtroom scene, which, oh, that scene where the where the lawyer is asking her, like, but did you see the the gun go off? And how long it takes her to get to the no? That's a lot of work. Yeah. That is impressive acting to like, you know. I mean, that's a that's a coordination rhythm thing on its own, right? To like watch Natalie kind of process like I can't answer yes. I can't like no, I didn't see it. And like it's oh it's a it's a it's a weird face journey. It's a really yeah. uh uh specific kind of face journey. It is, and then she finally says it, and then I think they show a a shot of um Sissy Spacek and Tom and and th- I don't know if Sissy cries. I feel like she does in my mind. I- yeah, I feel like there's at least like a tear or like some kind of emotional reaction. Yeah, yeah. Um, de- definitely when she's talking about like, like, like initially recounting what happens. I feel like they show a reaction shot of Ruth and Matt, like when she says about hearing the gun go off. Um, but then, yeah, Matt has that confrontation with her in the convenience store, and the whole time I was like, oh god, I just want you guys to connect on something. I just want you to connect on something, and they don't connect on anything. 
And they, she keeps having to ring people up. It's perfectly timed. Mm-hmm. She's playing mm-hmm. a cashier. And like, you know, someone's asking. It's such a moment that she never expected really to happen. Or at least to happen at her job. And then the guy's just like, can I get a pack of Marlboro Reds? You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's just like, okay, yeah, I... I need a break. I wish she could just take a break and they could step outside, but I'm glad that they didn't because then the scene wouldn't have been as awkward and clunky and... Mm-hmm. And like realizing that they just didn't have anything to say to each other. Yeah. And I think that that was really interesting and kind of goes back to what I was saying towards the beginning of this episode is that you don't get the payoffs that you want. Like you don't get some moment of, of Matt and Natalie, you know, connecting or acknowledging one another or, or you know... I don't know, finding some peace because, because, you know, A, there's people who keep interrupting and he can't really figure out what to say and she can't really figure out what to say. And I think that that's, um, I, you know, the, the part of me that wants the big Hollywood moments wants more, but like the part of me that wants a real story is like, yes, yeah. this is perfect. Simplify. Mm-hmm. I think there's mm-hmm. like, there are two scenes that I wish were fleshed out more, in, but this is, again, the explosive scenes that I wanted was... Um, the fact that um, Natalie comes to the funeral and she's oh. like within, I'd say within a good 50 feet of like the funeral site, like, oh, that's a lot. But I, I certainly understand why she went. Yeah. Um, yeah. But she oh, was, I yeah. certainly also understand why she just, she wasn't like very close to everyone. So she had to grieve <laughs> by the bush, you know, 50 right. feet away. And I, I the scene that I kind of wanted was her showing up at the funeral and like sissy just like you know, Sally Field, Steel Magnolia screaming at her, which mm-hmm. we kind of, I don't want to say we kind of get because we really don't as the slap scene. I thought that yeah. was going to be like a five minute explosive argument or that Sissy was going to say, but the only thing, I guess let's get into that scene. Really? It's a, uh, yeah. So Marissa Tomei shows up where at like the school, I guess. Yeah. yeah like uh, Ruth's in the auditorium yeah. kind of, you know, listening doing... to her music. Yeah, on her little Walkman and like taking notes, and yeah, then uh, Natalie comes to to try to talk, to try to connect. Yeah, yeah, and what what do you even say? And the yeah. thing she says is just so like, in a way, like I feel like I would want to slap her too because all she said is like, "I'm sorry," and if there's anything I could do for you, let me know. And I'd be like, "Fuck." you but i would be in that like anger sort of i would be rage i would it would just be rage all around i wouldn't be able to see straight which is why the only thing sissy spacek does is just slap her and like what a slap like (laughs) it's such it is it's i think i'd read somewhere that like they they did that many times but i apparently and i don't know if this is true i'd have to look it up but like the what the the one we saw was a pretty real slap um which i would i mean it almost has to be yeah yeah it's and it's so jarring i mean like i jumped i like i knew it was coming and i still jumped because like (laughs) it's just like oh oh my god yeah um it's a it's such a great moment what i love about this like again i'm with you i want this to be like this huge confrontation the fact that then ruth just stares at natalie and then just turns and like kind of quickly puts on her headphones again and goes back to it. It was like this said more than any fight could have said, you know? Uh, yes. Like yeah. that. And and the fact that we don't ever see Ruth's face, like we, they don't have a shot of like a close up of Ruth looking at Natalie. We really see the back of her head after she slaps her, just staring at her. And that told me everything. I was like, she's probably just looking at her like anything else. Really? Like it just, it was so, oh God, I, 
the movie makes you work for it to find these like great little moments. But when you do, you're like, oh, this was worth it. This yeah. was so worth it. I, I would agree. It's like just talking this out makes me like it more because it's all all the pieces are there. But they're it seems like broad strokes. But there it's just the movie's made up out of a lot of little subtle strokes to, to yeah. make this incredible sort of picture. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I feel like looking at it from a broad point of view, it's kind of a dull or kind of like a, a flatter movie. And then like just kind of staring at all these micro moments. It's like, okay, this there's like a, there's a shit ton going on here. All right. Yeah. I feel like if I was to show this movie to like, I don't know, other people, I could picture some friends that'd be like, this is boring. Yeah. And I would, I would agree with them on like first watch too. But like, I guess it's like your preference i should say preference for grief but like since that is your it's like if there was like a bsa university your major would be in grief oh absolutely <laughs> i would be getting my master's in grief yeah bsu yeah. best supporting university <laughs> <laughs> a doctorate in grief oh <coughs> uh, yes um uh, oh that would be awesome i just pictured all like the bsa teachers just all best supporting actress winners yeah all oh. just these yeah oh my god oh when cloris leachman comes back for a master class yes yeah. oh it's oh, so great i have to go i need to go register yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's great well should we talk yeah, about celia yeah i was gonna say i think that that's everything we got from uh natalie and so because after that we don't see her again yeah she's um, kind of out of the picture yeah, but indeed we this and this I don't think this was the first time I ever discovered Celia Weston because I didn't realize we may have talked about this, but she was on the show Alice, which was like yes. a seventies eighties sitcom, uh-huh. and she like was a replacement casting in like season five, and then was on for like a hundred episodes or something. But like so she I was like was vaguely familiar with her, but I feel like this is the first movie that I was like I like woke up to the Weston, yeah. and um. It's how the Weston was won. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, that's, you know, we talk about like how, why did she win it? How did she, you know, how did Laurie Dern win the Oscar? Soon we'll be able to do how the Weston was won. <laughs> oh, I can't wait. I can't wait. Um, so I, tell me about your thoughts on Celia Weston in In the Bedroom. Yes. Okay. So she plays exactly who you want her to play. She's like, um, I think it's like friend. It's like the couple that they hang out with the most. I th- I think that um, Matt and whoever plays Celia Weston's husband, they're probably closer than Sissy and uh, Celia. I just mm-hmm. the dynamic because it always is sort of that way. It's like very rarely to do two. Excuse me, do two couples just kind of gel together and everyone like gets along too. Um, mm-hmm. And you meet her like at the first picnic um, and she's just lovely. She's sitting on a chair eating, you know, some potato salad and a hot dog. It's it's exactly what you want. I will <laughs> say I don't, this is my one sort of critique of Celia is like, I don't think she's really nailing the New England accent. There is something that but she does later. And that first scene, she says something that's so crazy and I wish I wrote it down. But it was something with an R, which most New Englands, you just drop the R. But she al- almost put this like Southern lilt on it that made it, mm-hmm. um, it's like you could see kind of right. It was like she was speaking a different language and then all of a sudden she spoke English. Um, but it was. Is this when she's, is it when she's talking to the priest and she's talking about like, where do you get your haircut? Yes. Is it the yes. R in haircut maybe? Yeah. I don't know what it, ha- hair, hair is more like a Southern, as opposed to hair, hair, hair. It's like that sort of like hair. Mm-hmm. As opposed to hair, 
<laughs> I don't know. Well, and so she yeah, had, I, I hear you. Yeah, that a little bit. But then later on, when they were at the cabin, um, she was doing better. So, and I was just so happy to see her, you know, crying through or talking through tears too. But uh the, the um, when she won it, the when she won the Weston, yeah, because yeah, <sighs> yeah, she's talking to Ruth and <clears throat> and they're talking about how many grandkids they've got and all that, and Ugh, she says, you so know, hard. yeah, and I I think whoever because her husband's name is Willis, she says, oh, as Willis says, like, well, we don't have any risk of dying off, and then like it's oh, it's just such a great like uh like realization, and then she like puts her head down, and the way that she just says through tears, like, I'm sorry, I wasn't thinking, yes. like, it's just devastating it's yeah. so good Ugh. um and that scene i mean sissy spacek plays it so well because there's so many like little details of how she she responds to it and she says oh well you know i mean we were gonna have more but it didn't make sense and then she puts the issue to bed and then she kind of like changes the topic to like oh you know pointing the pictures that and all little that charles. the little charles like i i, I could hear Celia Weston talk about little Charles, you know, like, yeah, you got to get the fast pass. That was almost my intro with the Disney world talk. Yeah. But I thought it was too much of a deep cut. (laughs) You got to get the fast mundane conversation of Sissy Spacek and Celia Weston talking about a fast pass. Oh, oh God, it, it's so good in the way that it, like because then Ruth asks her like, well, what's Fast Pass? And there's just little I keep saying little nuances because this movie is just little nuances. But in how she's like, uh, well, I mean, so what it is a Fast Pass is like, so what like she does that kind of thing where she's like, how do I figure out how to talk about this? Yeah, it's because like, I would be the same way. I'm like, I don't know, Fast Pass ugh, out of the context of Disney World. How do I explain this? Like, it's a great detail yeah it's almost as if they like they didn't know they were being filmed like right before the take they were talking about like how celia really went to disneyland or something like that and right it, it's so natural it, and that's nice to see i mean i i just said that it doesn't seem like they're close but um there's a familiarity there i feel like they've been friends for i feel like you know matt and the other guy have been friends since like high school so they've been around each other for a while um, yeah, that was the I like, <clears throat> and I like that detail too. That like Matt and Willis are definitely longtime friends, and then Katie Celia Weston's character is she and Ruth don't like hang out together, but when they're all together, it, it's you know they get along fine. Yeah. But they probably don't have a lot of moments of being just one on one together. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and what an awkward conversation talking about like grandchildren too. It's like she should have stopped there. Like strike one, Celia. I know. Like, I don't let me show you about let me tell you and the oh and Celia Weston is counting the grandkids it's mm-hmm. just it's just lovely to watch her like act and yeah oh yeah it's just like no too and it's just like oh my god get to the point and start talking about something else because this yeah. woman is never gonna have grandkids mm-hmm. and I'm sure she's already thinking that and this it's such an interesting um angle at grief because there there are certain points where the person who like sissy spacek is actually comforting other people when it should be like people that are comforting her but people are still so obviously like processing that like the grief for the loss of her son the grief for like how bad she feels for um it's like celia wesson just realized it all at once that like in addition to that comment like i shouldn't be talking about my grandkids yeah I'm sorry. Yeah, like oh, I've yeah, I've been saying the wrong thing for like the past five minutes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then they have that fabulous little you know four person scene of oh, them all having love dinner. That. Loved it. I mean, it just it's so again just like mundane conversations that I and and you know the nuance in there is obviously Ruth watching Matt pour more wine yes. for himself. But like, it's to me I'm like this is so accurate. This is exactly what this conversation would be between these four people. Yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, Celia Weston. It's, always a pleasure. It's great. Always. always yeah. Always. I, I wish she wasn't just taking her pill and going to bed for the rest of the movie because I, I wanted more. I wanted her to be like another accomplice. I wanted Willis and Katie to be like, all right, we're going to help you drag this body in the woods. Yeah, know? exactly. I know. Oh, I mean, but one thing I really love and I, I didn't even pull, put it together until right before she said it. But when Matt, he goes out, he like kidnaps, for lack of a better word, Richard and takes him out in the middle of the woods where Willis meets him. And they had this elaborate plan, but once Matt, like, he just couldn't wait. That's what he said. I think that's his literal line. He's like, I couldn't wait any longer. I had to just yeah. him. Um, yeah, that was yeah. Um, in the in the short story. Uh, Richard starts to make a run for it, and so Matt Ooh. shoots him. And so it it feels different. I think this was a better choice to just have it be like I couldn't wait. Like I love that. Yeah, I love that. There's something about him like kind of crawling to get away too. That's just like mm-hmm. oh, that you feel bad, but also yeah. like you did this. Mm-hmm. Oh, I mean, and there was, but there was part of me that was like, oh, I, I want him to be alive long enough to know that he fucked up and he's going to die for it. Yeah. You know, like I, I, you start to kind of take on, it's interesting. Like I, I identified with, or I took on like Matt's grief and his rage mm-hmm. and <clears throat> what's great about it, too. Yeah. the quiet rage. Totally. And I think that's what makes it so relatable is that it's, it, it's so human, you know? And I, what I love about that is that even though we are taken on this journey of like, yeah, kill this guy, there's the humanity afterwards of like, it wasn't like, it didn't solve anything. Like, yeah, he's dead. And like that solved something, yeah. but like the, it haunts you in different ways, you know? And I think <clears throat> like, I think that that scene at the end when he gets home and I love, I love the kind of twist of, of Ruth being like, did you do it? I yeah, love that's what that. I was gonna, That's what I was leading up to. I was like, oh my God, she knew even mm-hmm. before she said it because there's a long pause. And mm-hmm. the fact that she was just awake and didn't ask any questions. I was like, yeah. oh my God, they planned this shit because he left her concert early. She works. So yeah. Hard. Oh, yeah. <laughs> With those girls. So I'm I know, you know, it's funny. I hadn't thought about that. (laughs) Girls. I hadn't thought about that, but he does leave the concert. But then if you think about it, that's part of the plan is everyone will be distracted. Oh, I, I just, I love the sort of Lady Macbeth quality of her Mm. just sitting there with the cigarette waiting for him to come home and asking, did you do it? And, um, and I think the ending is really interesting how, um, you know, he's just like laying in bed, just kind of haunted by what he did. And she's kind of getting up and starting the day and she's like oh what am i doing i mean i gotta make you some coffee like she's i wonder what that is i wonder what ruth's doing in the end i think in ways i mean i I can't imagine what it would feel like to kill someone too because i'm sure he's coming down off the adrenaline and you could see Mm. it just kind of exiting his body too but it's like oh yeah i killed a man like two hours ago or whatever it was too Mm. and for her so with him, I think there's more demons to be fought. Like, and, and on top of grief, it's like, it's like uh, hitting the lottery for a million dollars and realizing you're still unhappy. Uh, you know, like yes. it, it doesn't. Nothing is going to leave you. I, but, but I think for Ruth, I think a lot of it did help. And I think this is sort of yeah. a, a sort of a small glimpse of her getting back into her routine and stepping back into the light a little bit too. But because for her, oh, that's yeah. what it was. Which is interesting. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah, that she, like, she doesn't ask many questions. She doesn't get much info. And I feel like he's obviously not in a place to share with her. But, like, it makes sense, right? That, like, Ruth, like, in some ways, is like, maybe I don't need to know. I just need to know he's dead and I'm never going to see him in town anymore. Yeah, she didn't have to do the, the dirty work. Yeah. Her hands yeah, are and clean like, in a way. 
She could totally. always deny it. <laughs> totally, that she didn't know anything. She was asleep. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah that's uh, it, it's an interesting idea that, like, he... This idea of revenge and, like, getting vengeance, the closer you get to the actual act of it and the more you actually have to face, like, the humanity of vengeance the harder it is and yeah. like the less rewarding it is and the less satisfying Whereas she kept a distance and it was just like, let me know when it's done. Yeah. 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 Huh. What, uh, a movie. what a movie. So, um, in the bedroom. Yeah. Totally worth rewatching. I feel like it's the kind of movie that it's great if you don't know what's going to happen, but it's even better if you do know what's going to happen because like there's so much that's been like layered in to kind of tell the story of what's happening. That's yes. just in so many little choices. So, um yeah uh i'm so glad we got to talk about it yes, and um absolutely. congratulations marissa tomei on your many nominations yeah mm. i feel like she's an actress who's kind of working her way up my ranks as just being one of my favorite bsas and really one of my favorite yeah. actresses too i feel like she i can't wait to do my cousin Vinny. i i'm excited mm. for it i think it'll be a good episode because it's it's such a different role than this too so mm -hmm. uh, it makes me excited yeah. for it i guess and for to, for me to watch other things i wouldn't mind re-watching like the wrestler again either too i think that there's some yeah some great little yeah. things in there she's talented she's a talented she's talent. great i feel like she's had like some roles that were like a little bit i mean she's like a very varied career but i i just get the impression that people don't think of marissa tomei as this like really serious like prestige actress prestige yeah. actor but she is like she's so fucking good um yeah i agree i feel like she's uh she's certainly moving into my ranks of like someone i want to be more well versed in and in ways too it's like you can it like a younger marissa tomei would have been in the wrestler a younger miss marissa, marissa tomei could have easily been in doubt she could have mm -hmm. easily played that i think she has Maybe the oh, word we're looking yeah. for is like versatility. Because like mm -hmm. my cousin Vinny, it's almost like being on a sitcom for eight years. It's like you can only see Marissa Tomei as that sort of like fast talking New York yeah. Jersey girl sort of idea. Mm -hmm. So it's, but I mean, at least we're, we see it. We see you, Marissa. We see it. We see you. <laughs> honka, honka. honka, honka. Um, <laughs> um, well, uh, before we close things out here, as usual, we always like to have a BSA of the week, which as... Uh, listeners know is a performance or an actor or a person or a food or a thing or anything in our lives that is acting as the best supporting actress in our lives right now. Mm. Um, so what is your BSA of the week? Uh, well, I have a runner up, which is food related. It is quarantine days here in Pittsburgh. Finally, um, our state has issued like the two week quarantine, which, um, is fair. I know it's difficult for others, but it's been really nice for me. I I, I don't mean that in the like oh, people are sick and I'm fine. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Just I I'm an ex an extrovert sort of disguised as an introvert, or the other way around, introvert disguised as an extrovert too. So uh, I'm fine with being inside. And one of the greatest things about being inside is snacks. So what yeah. I've been really into, um, Keon went out and panic bought like two packs of Oreos, um, just regular. Um, okay, not the. I I feel like when I was there, didn't yeah, we? we did have the most stuff. There's the most stuff. Yeah, he actually bought a pack of the the Oreo thins, which is a waste of time. I gave him a talking <laughs> to after. I was like, what? This is not the most. This is the least. I know it really is. It's like air. You have to like sandwich three of them together to equate oh like God. one regular Oreo. It's not nearly enough. No. Um. So he bought that. He bought it because there's thins. Then there's the regular Oreo, and then there's double stuff, 
and then um oh man and then there's mega stuff i think and then there's the most stuff which is crazy so we just i mean this is a (laughs) and we could have a whole episode on oreos yeah but i tell you there is nothing better than brewing a fresh pot of coffee in the morning and just taking like grabbing two oreos and just Mm -hmm. doing a quick dunk one dunk's all you need if you do two You're risking it. You're risking that oh, you are. falling on the coffee, and that can't mm-hmm. happen. But there's no. something about that combo that is just, um, it's bliss. It's really great. Um, so that's, I love that. that's a runner up. But the other day, my BSA of the week, uh, I went on a Viola Davis wormhole um, mm. a couple of days ago, and I was watching, because um, I have not seen Doubt yet. I have not seen the movie. Um, but I know, and I don't really. Know, yes, I know. It's shocking. It's shocking. Wait a minute. Have I? Have we, I? You haven't seen Doubt, haven't we talked? Oh, I'm about sorry, it Doubt. Well, wow, wow, wow. Sorry, I just <laughs> left I like, my body and said, "I." <laughs> Colin's the like, Corona got me. I was like, "Wait a minute." Quarantine brain. Whoop. I tell you, it's real. Yeah, I, it is real. Okay, I have not seen Fences. Another one oh, word. Okay. Viola Davis vehicle. Wow, I can't believe. First, Colm Wilkinson, then Doubt. Yeah. Oh, send I help, was just Colin. like, send help. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I just, I was, I, I was like, I don't know. I don't <laughs> know face. how to help you. I wish everyone could have seen your face because <laughs> you were like, okay, wait, what? Wait, I just couldn't. Uh, face journey. Talk about a face journey <laughs> over there. Yeah. BSA of the week is actually Colin. Oh, no. I'm just, I'm so honored. Um, <laughs> so, uh, but I, I know she won a, she won a Tony for Fences, but I have still not seen Fences, the movie. Um, but mm. I know the scene and the scene and it's actually available on YouTube. You can look up Viola Davis and fences with that same scene that I've been standing in the same spot as you. Uh-huh. Um, it's in our intro as well. It's great. But then yeah. she won a Tony award um, before that for King Hedley the second. And I had no idea. It sounds like such a, it's almost sounds like a Shakespeare uh, show, but yeah. it's, it's very, it's contemporary. And she has this monologue that I've never seen before. And I was like, I wonder if I could find this. And I guess the Tony Awards used to do this, but they don't do it so much anymore as they have scenes from plays. And I wish Mm -hmm. they would bring it back. I really do, because it's all about the musicals and there's also time crunches, too. But, um, yeah, Viola Davis, she's talking to Brian Stokes Mitchell in the scene, too, who's like a Broadway veteran for sure, um, about the fact that she went and got an abortion and her, the fact that he was mad about it. And basically it's her retaliation and it is spectacular. Um, So she is my, she's kind of, I I don't want to say forever BSA because I love Rita Moreno more than anything, but um, she's just amazing. And I love seeing her on stage and I I was really um, energized and inspired by that scene. She was incredible. Yeah. I watched it and I was just like, wow this is i mean it's one of those things where you're like you did this every night like every night you had to do this i mean so many things she's done i'm like you how did you do that but like that especially when someone's doing a broadway show where it's like wow it it's a it is a it's just like tnt going off in terms of a monologue yeah yeah and i love it's nuts just a fast talking sort of august wilson viola davis combo like sort oh. of monologue like that I, it's it's heaven and yeah. viola davis has a great tony award speech when she won for fences i don't know if you've seen it i will send it no. to you it's please it's really great it's it's a great mm. speech because she's crying and i love her <laughs> anyway uh, how about you colin what is your bsa of the week well i have obviously been watching tons of things because what else is there to do yeah. and i 
I recently binged very quickly. I binged both seasons of the show Shrill. Ooh. Have you watched it? I, I saw the first season and I didn't see mm-hmm. the second, but not out of protest. I just, I keep forgetting about it for some reason. But it's, you know, I loved the first season and I was like, and I felt like there was something about it where there, there's something about the first season that I just, I, I just, I love the size of it. I love the tone of it. I love, there's something a little bit quieter about it versus yeah. season two is a little bit more, it, this happens with shows all the time is the first season is a little bit more of this like meditative you know six six episode mini series whereas then like once it gets picked up then they got to like breathe some more like sustainable life into it and so i i'm glad i watched season two because i grew to really appreciate john cameron mitchell's character a lot more because i was over that character he's really funny but i i found it's it he plays such a dick and it it doesn't really ever change in the first season Mm. and it feels it's the show in general has so many fresh notes and so many fresh points of view and like surprising points of view and really like inclusive, like great casting without it being like token casting. But I, I felt like, okay, I get it. He's like the tough senior editor, you know, the, the tough boss at work. Yeah. But I have seen that character repeatedly, like the impenetrable asshole at work. And mm-hmm. it's, I guess I'm just, I think to be honest, I'm just like, you know what? There's only so much of like, I want to watch mean people on TV. Yeah. Like, I don't need to I, see like, that. I don't need to see that. Like I've had enough. And so I like in season two, his character evolves and it, and there's a lot of layers there that really work. Um, I love Aidy Bryant. I think that she, is, she does a great job. I really love that character of Annie. I like care about her. I hate her boyfriend Ryan I think that that's I and I appreciate that he's supposed oh, to be no. imperfect and he's like an Andy Dwyer to, yeah sort of totally same where, and it's like family <laughs> same thing where it's just like why are you slumming it for this pig um I am also obsessed with her parents oh played by Julie yeah Sweeney, Daniel Stern I'm yeah, obsessed what a great casting choice because it could have easily mm-hmm. got Tracy Litson there because he's kind of the mm-hmm. go-to sort of dad you know yeah I like, mean and I'm never mad at that yeah but uh, they have such great chemistry together, and uh, oh, I just I, Julia Sweeney is just so oh, she's such such good mom energy. Yes, um, yes. So I uh, I really I love Shrill. I'm really really impressed with it. And season two, I highly recommend. Uh, it really like it, the way that it develops the the supporting cast, like like her roommate Fran. Like we really get love to know Fran. more about her. Uh, I love Fran, and I just love all the lesbians that so you see more and more of them in season two. But I just love. How many lesbians are in this? Yeah. And um, there's another show on Showtime. This is kind of my runner-up because I just started watching it. Um, or it's on Hulu, actually, but I think it's a Showtime show called Work in Progress. Hmm. Uh, I recommend that as well. It's also lots of lesbians. Julia Sweeney's in it. Um, very, like, it's great. Like, I think I, I think you would appreciate it. Awesome. So, um, so, yeah, I guess my BSA of the week is just, like, lesbians on tv with julia sweeney with julia sweeney lesbians on tv as long as there's julia sweeney in there somewhere i don't think she's a lesbian but uh she's welcome anyway yeah so uh yeah shrill so good and like so easy to burn through like oh my god yes very yeah i'm i'm down for like the comedies as far as like i don't mind an hour drama but like for this this sort of i'm in that sort of light let's just breeze through something very quickly too Mm -hmm. um i do have i think i mentioned this on squirrel friends so i'm i apologize if i'm repeating it to you but everyone else needs to know because i feel like i should spread the the gospel of pen 15 but they're still shooting okay season two 
um, and they are releasing 15 episodes the first season <gasps> two. They're, what they're doing is they're splitting it in half. They're had they're doing seven episodes and then they're doing a special, Colin. Oh my can god! You, can you imagine what that might? I, be? I hope it's like a Christmas episode or something. Yeah. Like I need Ugh. something or a spring musical. I I need something. I need mm-hmm. like, uh, and then they're releasing the second half of the the seven episodes. Um, I just if you can you imagine if that like I know it's not going to happen, but if the second season was like released during this quarantine time, Ugh. like I. I don't think I'd recover. <laughs> I don't no, think I, would. I wouldn't. No, that would be what took me out. Yeah. I'd be like, "Get me a ventilator." Pen 15's back. Exactly. Uh, I, I'm excited I, for it. I cannot wait. Yeah, I was. I rewatched a couple episodes recently, and God, that show just—it's just so good. I love the Anna Ishi Peters one when Anna <clears throat> comes to stay with them for a couple days. Yes. It's so depressing, but it's so good. It's so good. Yeah. Um, well, thank you for that. I am yeah. very excited about Pen15. Yes. Uh, one other thing I'll mention just in terms of shows on, I think it's on Amazon. It's not a comedy, but I've been thinking of watching that show Hunters about the like Nazi hunters. Oh, because of Julie Klausner too. She went on like a whole rant in her episode. Her oh, last, yes. Her most recent episode. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. So that, I, I almost didn't want to watch it because she said there was something at the end that would like put her off. Yeah. But I do, I know that Celia Weston is in like four <gasps> episodes. No way. Yeah. Oh. So... And Carol Kane's in it. Oh, I mean, like, I mean. yeah. So I'm going to watch it, um, and then I'll find out what Julie Klausner was talking about. Okay, good, good. Yeah. Uh, but in the meantime, I think everyone knows what that sound is. That is the sound of us being played off of our own podcast. Um, so before we just get dragged off to quarantine um, behind, backstage... Where can people find more of you in this world? Yeah, they can follow me on Instagram and Twitter. I'm posting, you know, some things here and there. I'm trying to stay off social media, but I'll, I'll post stuff on my Instagram story if I find it funny. Quarantine humor. It's one good thing to come from all this. It's like we need to laugh. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. And if you guys have any guys and gals, if you have any thoughts on what we're talking about today or what we have talked about marissa tomei maybe you're a jennifer Connolly stan we apologize <laughs> but yeah um but chime in with what you're watching is there any sort of like half hour comedy dramedy that you're into you can tweet us at bsa pod or send us an email as always to the bsa pod at gmail.com uh how about yes. you colin what, where can we find you and listen to more of you well, there you can always find more of me on In the Details, a celebration of nuance, where I just queened out on a movie called Lady in a Cage, mm, which I yes. highly recommend. Really, it's it's a goop. It's great. Yeah. Um, and then, obviously, you can find me on All Right, Mary, talking about the very um, cursed season 12 of Drag Race. Yeah. I'm surprised it's not season 13. Like, it is just, those queens can't catch a break. Yeah. So... Uh, uh, I'm there. You can find me on Twitter at Colin Drucker, Instagram at Colin Drucker underscore. And uh, I think that's everything. Um, we want to, you know, we want to thank. We want to welcome you. I always want to say that. We want to welcome you to season yeah. seven. Uh, Sissy Spacek, Celia Weston, Marissa Tomei, Cole Wilkinson. Cole even. Wilkinson, we'll give him a shout out. <laughs> yeah, but Tom as well. Um, exactly. And uh, we will be back soon with more BSAs. Um, very ex- I don't know what we're going to do next, yeah. but we'll probably talk about it as soon as we stop recording. Yeah, so you'll exactly. find out soon. All right, everyone. Stay well. Don't go outside. Yeah. Eat, some, yeah. eat some Oreos and, and some coffee. Dip it in your coffee, and we'll see you next time. All right? Yeah. And that, as they say, is that. <laughs> <laughs>